What workouts should you be doing? Workouts are a very important part of reaching your potential as a runner. We often talk a lot about the benefits of easy running, but sometimes we neglect talking about the importance of having hard workouts. We also need to talk about what hard workouts you should be doing. It's not just enough to go out there and hammer hard miles. You have to have a purpose and workouts have to be specific to you and your fitness. If you are training for a marathon, you also don't want to be spending a ton of time doing sprinting and anaerobic work. Training the appropriate systems for your goal races is extremely important. It's equally as important to make sure that you are training at the appropriate paces for your current fitness level so that you are stressing the correct systems that will lead to improvement and help you reach your goals. So we're going to break down this podcast into a few different parts. The first part will be how much mileage should you be running in a workout? So in the intro, we talked about how, you know, 20% of your weekly mileage should be hard workouts. And we're really, we are really going to break down what that looks like based on your total weekly mileage and how you can frame that up. Next, we're going to be talking about what paces you should be running for your workout days. And this is probably one of the most important pieces in the entire sport of running. Pacing is so important. So we'll talk about different calculators you can use and how to assess your current fitness level. Then we'll talk about the specifics of what workouts are best for the marathon and half marathon distance. So those are both 99% aerobic in nature. So we are going to want to make sure we're stressing the appropriate systems and really spending a lot of time on that 99% and not as much on that 1%. Um, The 1% maybe is coming more in handy. Like if you're an elite, you're kind of at that professional level, but for most recreational athletes, you're going to get the most bang for your buck working on that 99%. Then we'll talk about what workouts are best for one mile, 5k, 10k, and how you can kind of mix those into your training to get the best results for those shorter distance races. Um, and oftentimes we don't see a lot of athletes taking a training cycle to focus on those, but oftentimes if you do just for a couple of weeks, you're able to see some pretty big improvements because even the 5k thing is something like 80 to 90 percent aerobic and then that final 10 to 20 percent which doesn't sound like a lot but it can be is going to be more that anaerobic system so how much mileage per week should you be doing for running workouts yeah so this is a great question to start things off you know as you mentioned earlier about 80 percent of your mileage should be easy running which leaves 20 percent for quality runs right and so depending on what you're training for um, you're going to figure out, am I going to run, you know, um, more intervals, more threshold runs or more like marathon, half marathon pace work. And so, you know, to carve that out, you basically gives you, um, depending on how many miles a week you're running, you set the example 40 miles a week, that's four to eight miles per week of quality. So, um, let's go with six miles. That's kind of in between there. So if you're, if you have six miles a week to work with, um, you might do one run that has a four mile tempo and that might be like more of a slower, uh, like half marathon, marathon pace effort. And then your second workout might give you, you know, two miles there to play with. So you might do, uh, some 400s or a combination of like repeats for one K 800, 
400, 200, that sort of thing. And so, you know, within these workouts, you're going to always have a warm up and cool down. And so your warm up should be anywhere from, you know, one to two miles, depending on how many miles a week you're running. And then same with your cool down. And so your, while your entire workout duration might be seven or eight miles, um, maybe only half of that was spent running quality. And you have to think about the recovery in between the reps that might get you some extra, you know, easy minutes and easy miles there. So um, that's sort of a breakdown as how much mileage per week you should be running for workouts. Yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest confusions that people will either like message me on social media or they kind of reach out about. Um, so that 10 to 20% of weekly mileage, like you, you mentioned, if you're running 40 miles a week, that's like six miles roughly if you're going in between 10 and 20, right? So 15%, um, six miles of fast running. It really doesn't sound like a lot, especially if you're running 40 miles a week. So you're saying someone who's running, that's an average of like, what, six miles a day, six, seven miles a day, depending on if you're mm-hmm. taking a rest day. That means only one out of all of those runs. It's, it's just a very small amount. And so I think that people start to get a little confused as to like how they can appropriately fit that in. But you did a really good job explaining about how you can typically break up that into two separate runs. And we call those days like quote unquote workout days. Um, I've heard other coaches call them like quality sessions or, you know, back in the day doing like cross country and track. I think we just call it like speed work, even if it was like a threshold day, or you would like almost say what the workout was that you're doing. So it'd be like threshold speed, whatever, um, as what you're doing that day. But when we say like the word workout day, typically we're talking about like a harder effort harder running. Um, and that can sometimes throw people off. I remember when I first got into running, they would say workout or sometimes on social media, people will be like, isn't all running a workout? Because it really is. I mean, anytime you're going out on a run, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's classified as you are working out. But when we say workout, we're thinking of like harder effort run. And I like how you split it up into two separate days. And I think it's really important that people know that they have to take, you know, at least two days in between workout days. Oftentimes one day is just not enough time in between. So I really like to have, you know, three to four days of recovery in between for my athletes. And typically what it's going to look like when we talk about workout days is I'll probably have them do a quality hard workout on Tuesday. And then their second quality hard workout is sometimes within a longer run, which would be like on a Saturday or a Friday, depending on when they do their long run, right? So we are going to split it up by a few days so that there is recovery in between. And like depending on their schedule and placement, um, sometimes it's Wednesdays and Saturdays, sometimes it's like Tuesdays and Saturdays. Mm -hmm. But as long as there's at least two days in between those hard days, that is a really good example for people. Um, and what that Tuesday workout would look like, you mentioned, I think you said like a four mile tempo. We might have it be even something like four by one mile with some recovery in between. And what that might end up totaling in terms of total mileage for the day is maybe like eight miles total, but they're only doing four miles of fast stuff in there. The rest of that is just easy running. Um, and so that's how we total the the mileage there so I think sometimes it throws people off because on those hard workout days you're doing like an eight mile run and then maybe on the Saturday 
maybe that workout day is like eight or 10 mile, maybe it's 10. And so they're thinking, well, my Tuesday run was eight miles and my Saturday run was 10 total. So that's 18. But what we're really only counting and looking at is how many of those miles were fast, were faster than easy. And that's really going to be only those four mile repeats. And then maybe if you're doing something else on the weekend, I don't know, maybe like a two mile pickup at the end of the run at like marathon pace, we're only counting those two miles at the end towards Mm -hmm. these fast miles. Anytime you're doing the in any easy mile, so during a warm up, during a cool down, during recovery in between, that all gets totaled up into your easy running mileage for the week. Um, So that is a really good thing to break down and implement so that you're able to um, maybe train in in a manner that kind of makes a little bit more sense for, for you and to help you improve for sure. So next is how do you know what paces you should be running at for these workouts? So oftentimes I see people post their workouts online and I think even mainly back in the day, I would think, oh, that's a really good workout idea. Like we're Mm -hmm. trying for the same race. I'm just going to copy what they're doing. Or maybe sometimes you just open up an article online and it gives you workout ideas. Um, I think sometimes people will do similar workout ideas that have worked for them in the past and that sort of thing. Also a way that people come up with workouts, there's a million ways you can come up with workouts, right? But it is really important when you're coming up with these workouts or however you're getting these workouts that you are running them at the appropriate paces. So let's take a workout, for example, um, classic workout five by one K. So that's five by 0.62 miles, five by one K popular workout. Um, this workout is interesting because it can be done at a number of different, it can stress different zones based on what paces you're doing these repeats at. And this is where things start to get tricky because you do want to make sure that you are training at the appropriate paces for whatever it is, the race that you're training for. So you can make five by one K be, you know, a really aggressive, like five K workout and be running them at five K pace. That isn't going to be super advantageous when it comes to like building fitness for a marathon because you're stressing a completely different system. If you were training for a marathon, I would probably have you as an athlete do these 1K repeats at threshold pace with very minimal recovery in between. So you'd be doing like the 1K repeat at threshold pace with 60 seconds recovery. So very minimal. And you just be, it's almost like a continuous tempo with very minimal recovery. Mm -hmm. So you'd be like doing three miles of work at threshold pace with minimal recovery in between. You can also do this workout, like I said before, at like your 5K pace, which for some people is like 30 seconds per mile faster than your threshold pace. So that's going to be stressing a completely different system. You're going to be working a little bit on that VO2 max, a little bit on the faster side of things, and it's not necessarily going to be helping you lower your threshold and improve your stamina over a long distance. Yep, really well said there. You know, how we even calculate these paces in the first place is to have a good indication of where your fitness is at. So you've either done some sort of race in the recent history or you test your fitness with a 5K or two-mile time trial, something shorter so that we get an accurate picture of where you are currently. Um, it's not necessarily where you want to be, and that's that's sort of the, the 
how some people do train is they they just predict where they think they are and so they try to hit those paces but you really want to train in the right zones for where you're at now mm -hmm. and so you can plug those into like a VDOT calculator and get those get those paces um, estimated for you so you get your easy pace your marathon pace your threshold and then you can see your interval interval paces there as well and so um, you know you're going to um, want to make make any adjustments also based on so let's say you're doing a threshold workout um, and you're doing it in 20 mile per hour winds or something like that um, mm. you're going to want to make adjustments based on the training conditions um, also if you're doing something on hills for example you're going to maybe want to take that into consideration um, if it's super humid or you're on vacation down in florida and you're not used to the humidity or the heat um, this is where you're going to want to um, make sure that you're you're building in an adequate uh, modification for your paces so that you can remain consistent throughout the entire workout i see a lot of people a lot of adult runners who maybe don't have a lot of experience doing interval workouts they'll go and they'll run the first one or the first one or two too fast and then they struggle to keep up at the end and so um, it's always best to start off a little bit slow ease into the workout um, it's usually only an issue if it's intervals. It's not as big of an issue for people if it's threshold because that's a little bit more relaxed. But like you talked about, um, getting that shorter recovery with threshold, I think it just helps you learn how to grind it out. And when you're doing the VO2 max, as we're going to talk about here soon, that's a totally different system mm -hmm. and totally different purpose for doing those types of workouts. Right. And one indication, I liked how you talked a little bit about how if the conditions, you know, if you're running uphill, if it's hot out, that sort of thing, your paces are going to be slower. And so it is really important to adjust and make those adjustments. Um, I like for athletes to do some of these workouts, maybe in ideal conditions on the treadmill, whatever, um, at first so that they kind of get an idea for, okay, this is how threshold should feel. Like think about a perfect weather day when you're out there doing a threshold workout, that gives you a good idea for how threshold should feel. Um, so you're going to calculate those paces based off a of current VDOT. So anytime you are going to test like what is what's a VDOT, what's all this. So you want to do a two mile time trial or a 5k race. You want to assess where your fitness is at currently. Um, we don't want to use maybe last year's results or what it was last season. We have no idea where current fitness is at, um, especially if you've taken time off, especially if you've done like a marathon in between and now you're coming back after you know an off season or even after a couple weeks off we really do want to get an accurate assessment of where you're at currently especially if you're not super familiar with your fitness level fitness can change relatively quickly and so that's why it's important to retest your fitness see where you're at so i recommend either doing two miles completely on your own and doing it all out um, to test where like your two mile fitness is at like a time trial or you can sign up for a local 5K race, race that, plug it into the calculator. Oftentimes people don't love the results of their two mile time trial or their 5K race. And sometimes they'll want to, oh, you know, I wanna train a little bit faster or I think I could have done it faster. Doesn't matter, plug in what your result was and that's gonna give you a pretty accurate assessment of like where you're at currently. Can those paces increase? Yes, you can obviously gain fitness over time, but it is really important that when we are doing these workouts that you are training at where you're at currently. So let's say I run a 5K tomorrow and it's like 1930. Well, my PR in the 5K is like 18 something. So it would be tempting for me to like plug in 18 instead and be like, well, you know, could have ran faster. No, you need to just plug in where you're at. And when you train at the paces that the VDOT calculator spits out for you, you actually gain fitness faster. Mm -hmm. What we often see happen is people train at paces that are just reaching for them. 
And then they don't actually improve because they're stressing the wrong systems and they're going too fast on their workout days, which actually yields you to not getting faster. So it's almost better to go a little bit too slow, I would say on workouts than it is to go too fast. I'd rather have you go 10 seconds per mile too slow than 10 seconds per mile too fast. Um, and that's a good rule of thumb for anything because once you go too fast, you dip into that anaerobic um, system, chances are you're not gonna be able to complete the workout. You're not even gonna be able to get up into that threshold zone into any of those zones. And it's going to kind of defeat the whole purpose of the workout. Whereas if you start the workout a little bit too slow or something like that, you're able to at least get up into those threshold for the last couple of reps. You're able to finish strong and you're able to complete the workout. Um, so it's always better to kind of start a little bit more conservative for sure. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the two mile time trial and I know for a lot of runners, um, like they may finish feeling like they could have run, ran faster, right? And so when they look at their paces, they are surprised how slow they are and they struggle to really slow down and run in the easy pace. But as you mentioned, if you're able to run those paces, if your marathon pace, your threshold, if that feels pretty sustainable to you, you're going to make those adaptations quicker. And so uh, chances are when you retest, your paces will get faster sooner mm -hmm. than they would if you you know, were like me, for example, where um, I have a lot of history in running short distances. So if I run a time, it's going to say, okay, this is your marathon time and it's a time I've never touched before. So for me, it's going to be really difficult to train at that pace, right? Because I'm not used to it. And so mm -hmm. it's really about um, just buying into this concept and then trying to be as consistent as possible. And if you're able to do that, I think over time you learn how to really have a good control with your paces. And that's really what this is about, right? Is you wanna be able to go out and have a, a wide range of paces and to be able to control it um, despite different conditions, right? So despite hills, heat, weather, all that, you learn how to adjust. And that's really how you become um, you know, a better racer and reach your potential is that you you have the confidence to be able to go out and hold this pace for you know this set distance. Um, yeah, definitely. And another thing that is, I think, prevalent in the running community, not a lot of people talk about it, is like extended gaps. Like, so let's say you do, you're in the middle of that 5K workout that I was talking about earlier. So five by 1K. And let's say you kind of fibbed on the V dot. You're like, well, I ran 1930 my 5K, but I'm gonna put down like 1830 because like, why not? Um, and then you go, you see the paces for the threshold that are incorrect, obviously, because that's not where your current fitness is at. Then you go out and you do the workout. And what you're probably going to find in most cases, maybe not the first workout because the adrenaline's going crazy, but like subsequent workouts, right? You're going to find that you're not able to recover in the 60 seconds in between. You're going to find that you're gassed. And so what's really tempting, what I see oftentimes people do, they'll stop the watch, They'll pause. They'll give an extra. They'll give themselves extra mm -hmm. recovery time in between the intervals. So anytime you're like stopping the watch, right? Like that's it's fine. I don't like stopping your watch. Whatever. Do what do you? But that's an indicator that you're not able to complete the workout as prescribed. And so the only person you're really cheating is like yourself there, right? So if you need more recovery than it's saying you're not working the right system typically. Like obviously there's fluke days where you know you're going out and it's you just have an off day, but if you're consistently needing to take additional recovery 
then is prescribed, you're probably going too fast. And that's a rule of thumb I have for like summer workouts, workouts on hills. Because earlier you said, well, if it's humid or if it's windy or you're going uphill, one of the things I say to myself during every rep of a workout or have my athletes say to themselves, can I sustain this for another however many reps? Am I going to be gassed at the end? Am I going to be able to recover in the 60, 90 seconds, whatever is prescribed? Do I need to adjust? Do I need to slow down? And sometimes it's difficult because you have to check the ego at the door. Like maybe the last time you did this workout, you did it at seven minute pace. And today you're hitting 730s, but conditions could be completely different. You could be running up a hill. You could be at altitude. It could be really humid. Um, Maybe you lost a little fitness. Like there's so many reasons, but I think it would always be better to adjust and go slower on the workout than you have previously so that you can be stressing the right systems and get faster. Um, So often I see people try to like force the paces Mm -hmm. and then that's where you get that injury, burnout, um, stagnation, all of those sorts of things really start to come into play. So anytime you feel like you're forcing it more than, you know, is typical or things are feeling a lot harder than they used to be, those are sometimes indications that maybe we're training at paces that are not at our current fitness level. Yeah, not to mention when you force paces like that, it doesn't necessarily leave you in the greatest headspace afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're reflecting on things, you're kind of maybe negative about maybe it's something you always struggle with like it's just those speed workouts but you're fine with marathon and threshold pace work um so you kind of have this like negative stigma around the speed workouts right and so um but if you do it the alternative way the way you're talking about where you start out a little conservative and you kind of check your ego a bit you slow down you ease into it you're gonna find and especially um i think you're gonna find that you have a better chance of running like you know either negative splits or just finishing the workout off feeling strong and then afterwards, I think that leaves you feeling a bit a bit better about where you're at. And so a lot of times as a coach, when I get athletes that come back after a long absence, a, a difficult thing is to figure out like where they're at, especially if we're not going to time trial them right away because mm-hmm. they literally have done like no workouts. So figuring out where are their paces are at and it's much better to ease them in slowly Always, yep. because they just, they the fitness comes back so much faster. Mm-hmm. And I have one athlete I'm thinking of right now and I just, I cannot believe how quickly he has gotten back to like, his all-time greatest fitness. It's just been a few months, but it's amazing what like some consistent training can do for you. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, I always do that. Like with my athletes, I'm like, all right, like coming back from a marathon or something, it's like, okay, we're gonna way undershoot. Like I throw in paces that are like way slower. Because, and you also wanna like know who you're kind of working with. And I would say most athletes have the tendency to like, if they don't, if they don't hit the paces, it's kind of like a blow to the ego. So I'm like, I always would rather prescribe a little bit slower especially when they're coming back from something like that mm-hmm. where they need a little bit more like you know flexibility with the paces and stuff um just a little bit of a confidence boost because you don't want to have them going out there and like really stretching especially as they're coming back from something like that so i think that's a really good rule of thumb especially if you're coming back into workouts maybe you just had time off maybe you're coming back from covid maybe you just had a baby right like could you potentially run faster on your workout days like sure maybe by like five ten seconds but like you actually might gain more confidence gain more fitness by holding Mm -hmm. back a little bit and that's actually a good thing because it it almost like compounds um you don't want to go out there and like race a workout and then be like uh, unable to kind of match that same level of effort and constantly be having to compare to that so what are the best type of workouts for a marathon a half marathon like i said in the intro marathon is 99 percent 
aerobic. And so unless you're like a professional athlete, that's like 100% like reaching their potential. Um, they're just so like, they're doing anything to shave like a couple seconds off their time. I don't really think, um, going for that anaerobic system, that 1% is really worth it. Cause think about it within a training cycle. So we going back to the, the first point, we only get to do 10 to 20% of our weekly mileage as a workout. So like you said, if you're running 40 miles a week, that's six miles of work. So I just really like to think, how can we prioritize the most important workouts? And to me, I just don't really see a ton of importance in that 1% um, for development in in marathon training um, at the level that we coach at necessarily. I definitely see a reason for it, like free leads, professionals, um, that sort of thing. I do think it is really important to incorporate strides, which I don't really count as a workout because that does really help with the top end speed. I think strength mm-hmm. training is really important um, for injury prevention. But I think when it comes down to like the, those 20% per week, let's say you have six miles per week, I really like to prioritize um, tempos, long tempos, threshold. I really want to lower that threshold. I really mm-hmm. want to help people become able to hold a faster pace over a longer distance. Um, and that's really what I'm going to prioritize anytime I have someone coming to me for marathon training because that's that's like the bread and butter right there right tempos for marathon training yep so talking about like specific types of workouts you know i mean if you're doing a lot of if you're training for a marathon you want to have those longer steady state runs in there so you might get up to you know you might get up to like eight miles running at steady state or at marathon pace um if you're training for half marathon you probably don't need to go quite as far um quite as long but you're also probably doing a little bit faster tempo so you might be doing like half marathon pace um, which for most most athletes could be you know 20 to 30 seconds per mile faster at least so um, that might look a little bit different it could be like two by two mile or three by 1.5 mile something like that and the recovery again is really short it's really just a, a chance to break it up and so give you that short mental break it's not so much that your heart rate's going to come down a lot in 60 seconds um, but it just helps you kind of get ready and re- regroup for the next one right um, and then you know uh, as far as like threshold work, you know, obviously threshold is bread and butter for all training zones. It should be incorporated into a plan. Um, you you can break that up however you want. You know, it could be mile repeats or it could be like um, two by 10 minutes. It could be like five by five minutes, that sort of thing. And so just obviously all of these workouts should progress appropriately. So, you know, if you shouldn't just go from running like four miles at steady state to six miles or to eight mm-hmm. miles, you know, you should build up progressively by one rep or one half mile. Um, that sort of thing as you look to add, um, you know, and build these workouts. Another key workouts for the marathon would be, or half marathon distance is uh, having a medium long run where you're keeping the run easy, but it's it's gonna be a little bit longer run. So the majority of your easy recovery runs are four to five miles. This one's gonna be maybe six to eight miles. Um, and then the last type would be like cut down progression style runs. Cause I think that that, that just, again, goes back to like having good control over your pace, over your mindset, and just being confident in your ability to go out and execute paces appropriately. Yeah, I really liked how you talked about building the workouts. And I think what most people define when it comes to marathon training plans and kind of creating them, a lot of the workouts are pretty repetitive. You know, I'm giving away mm-hmm. all the secrets today, but it, it's it's pretty re- repetitive and it's like a progressive approach. So you could take a calendar and just count back 16 weeks and put for that first week, kind of giving yourself something really easy to ease into things. Maybe we're only going to do 
you know, 20 minutes of threshold work because that's about the minimum that you really want to do to get that, that effect is 20 minutes. And what that might look like for your first workout could be something like three by five minutes at threshold pace with two minutes recovery in between. It's a really good first workout for that first week. So that's 20 minutes total. The next week, you know, building off like what you Mm -hmm. said, maybe we're going to build a little bit. Maybe we do, um, I don't know what would be building four by six minutes or something like that. So you'd be at 24 minutes. Then the next week, maybe we're building again. Maybe we're doing, uh, maybe like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, my head. Uh, six by six by four minutes, whatever. Maybe and that maybe it's still the same um, sort of. Maybe it's four by six minutes and then six by four minutes, whatever. You can do it, like so many different variations of threshold workouts, and that's where I think sometimes people get stuck. Is they think I have to do mile repeats, I have to do like 0.75, I have right. to do like one k repeats. You could just do it time based, and sometimes that's like easier for people to track like duration, right? And you can repeat, right? So maybe one week you're only doing 20 minutes of work. You're doing, maybe you start with five by three minutes and you give Mm -hmm. yourself two minutes rest, but maybe the next week your intervals are going to be five minutes in duration and you're doing three of them. Right. And so that's going to look a little bit different, right? You can just break it down in different ways. And I think, you know, that's, not really something that people think about is that you can just break it down in different ways. And I like to do time-based. So again, so as you reach like peak training, I know you were throwing out some pretty advanced workouts. There might be something like four by 15 minutes or like three by 15 minutes tempo threshold um, with two minutes of recovery in between. And so that might be like the end goal, like where you build up to. But I think incrementally building every week with like the cutback week in there. Um, you could just come up with random variations of multiplications um, going mm-hmm. down the list and create your own plan that way and just make sure that you're increasing and not really going over um, like 50 minutes of total, 50 to 60 minutes of total threshold within one run for your peak week. Um, and that could literally be your marathon training plan. Um, and there's yeah so thresholds is is extremely important because it does help lower the pace that you can sustain for a long period of time and that's really what the marathon is all about steady states are also going to be really important so threshold is at a pace that you would maybe race for an hour so it is quite a bit quicker than what your marathon pace is um but it's still an aerobic pace when we move into like steady state or marathon pace work, as other people might call it, think about like the fastest possible pace that you could sustain for a really long time. Um, so that's going to be like, you know, over two hours worth of work if you were in a race. And that pace is also important because it does help train your body how to run at a faster pace over a long distance. A lot of people do get really concerned when they see, oh my gosh, all of my long runs are at an easy pace or I'm running easy too much, I need to work at marathon pace. As I get closer to the marathon race, whenever I'm developing an athlete's training plan, maybe we're six, eight weeks out, that's when I start to add in some more steady steady state runs, steady state work so that they can get used to running at marathon pace. Um, It helps them with not only pacing practice, but also just getting familiar with what is that gonna feel like in the middle of a long run. So you might have some long runs with marathon pace work. Um, And again, just 
doing different variations of more or less the same thing. You might start with something very simple like two by two mile at steady state or marathon pace within a 14, 15 mile run. Um, then maybe two, three weeks later, we're gonna up the ante a little. Maybe we do f- five by one mile at um, at steady state marathon pace with only you know one or two minutes recovery in between. And that's five miles worth of work. Then maybe two or three weeks later, we're gonna up it a little bit more. We're gonna do two by three miles at marathon pace. And you kind of see it's like a pattern where you're building, right? So maybe you only start with four miles total and you're mm-hmm. just gonna kind of progressively build and make sure you're staying within the guardrails of that 20%. Yeah, I like how you talked about that. You know, with workouts in general, everything should be designed in a way that is going to help you for your given race distance. And so if you're talking about the marathon, you know, doing everything you said is makes a lot of sense. As we transition into talking about shorter distance uh, races like 5K, 10K, um, this is maybe an area where a lot of times adults who didn't run in like high school and college they maybe don't have the the same uh, level of experience with doing you know structured workouts and that sort of thing for these distances, especially since there's not a lot of allure in terms of like uh, doing these races. You know, like there is doing like Chicago, New York, and a marathon and that sort of thing. So, uh, but with 5K, 10K, you know your primary types of workouts that you're going to be doing would be um, the speed workouts. So, looking at the VDOT calculator, you have your interval paces. And it breaks it down. I think it tells you what it is for like a K, an 800, even a 400. And then you might even see repetition paces, which are even faster. Now that is really just going to be for more advanced level runners. Um, when I think back to college, you know, our our coach, what he would do, he would give us the same workout um, for a period of, I, I swear it was like six weeks. We did, we did four by 400s every single week. Um, but what he changed was the, so that the first three weeks, it was at the same pace. But what he changed was the recovery in between. And so each week it got shorter, right? First week it was 400 meter jog in between, then it was 200 meter, then it was 100 meter jog. And so that came up really quick by that third week, um, having to you know get back into your pace. Um, then the next cycle, we do three more weeks of that, the pace has just got a little bit quicker. And so again, just going back to explaining how the workout sometimes um, can look very similar, but there are ways to change them. Um, you know, in cross country, for example, we would we would be strategic about like our 1K loops and make sure they incorporate hills or a variety of terrain like mm. grass, gra- um, dirt, and then the road, that sort of thing, just because you want it to assimilate what the race is going to be like for you. So, you know, if you're training for your New York City Marathon or something, Marine Corps or something, maybe a little bit hillier, a lot of times your threshold run should be done. Um, with some rolling hills in there just so that you're used to it or you should be practicing some you know hill repeats um, to get ready for those bridges and that sort of thing Um, but yeah generally for 5k 10k stuff we're going to be looking at one speed type of workout a week and then possibly if you're doing a second workout it's going to be maybe be a bit slower like threshold work i know sometimes we would do even like 150 speed 150s or something that's like really fast raw speed on one workout and then the next day might be a little bit slower it might be um, or the next workout a few days later might have been something slower, like a fart lick on the road or some threshold work. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. The workouts are going to look a little bit different, like like you mentioned. And I think doing the speed work, it makes a lot more sense um, working at those faster paces. And at, at first glance, right, when we say, okay, the 5K is 90% aerobic, 10% anaerobic, it doesn't really seem all that important, right? Because you'd be like, why would I focus on that 10%? But like 
if you are doing one threshold workout per week, like you mentioned, um, having one of those workouts still be threshold, you're working on that 90%. And plus all of your easy runs are going towards that 90%. We want to say, okay, what is the 10%? Like, how are we working that? And 10% doesn't really seem like a lot, does it? But if you think about it, it's the difference between a 20 minute 5k and a 19 minute 5k. Those are drastically different times. That's like 60 seconds in a 5k. Um, so that, I mean, that makes, it's like nine day difference. And sometimes that's what it takes to help that marathoner. Who's, you know, just going out there doing the 5k without doing a lot of speed work or training. It's what helps them kind of lower their time. And so that's why I do think it is really important to make sure that you're being specific with what the workouts are. And these speed workouts are going to feel a lot more uncomfortable than the, uh, you know, the threshold workouts. If you are used to doing all these marathon type workouts, these speed workouts might be really outside of your comfort zone. Um, but that's good because it's stressing a different system and it's helping you kind of improve. Um, and I like how you said that there's a lot of different variations that you can use when it comes to those workouts, 400s, 800s, you can even do like one K's at, um, you know, 5k pace. It really just depends on the purpose of the workout, the volume, all of those things, really good points to bring up. And again, getting those paces from the VDOT calculator. And even in that calculator, I think it'll break it down for you, like our pace, what it is, what's the furthest you should run at that pace, um, I pace, interval pace, what it is, what's the furthest mm-hmm. you should run at that pace. And it gives you a really good idea for how you could frame up potential workouts. Um, but again, you could really, if you got a calendar out and you're like, okay, I have a 10 week training cycle for a 5K, you could really just kind of start off, like I mentioned with the marathon thing, you could have that first workout be something pretty simple, like, I don't know, five by, no, four by two minutes at interval pace, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe some 30 second reps at our pace. Then the next week, maybe we're gonna up it a little bit. We're gonna do like, I don't know, eight by 90 seconds at interval pace and then throw in some R pace sprints at the end. Um, And then you can just continue kind of building from there and manipulating the rest in between how long you're going to be doing the intervals for and what the total number of minutes at each of those paces are going to be within the workout obviously increasing slightly, you know, throughout the course of your training plan and then having that peak be, um, you know, a week out from your, your goal 5k race. And it, this, it's a different way to train, right? And you don't want to have maybe as long of a training cycle as you would for a marathon and the workouts might be a little bit different, but again, there are a lot of similarities as well. Yeah, you know, and just speaking quickly about the interval and repetition paces, you know, for like a 20 minute 5k, for example, it's going to be about like a about a uh, 12 second difference if you look at the 800 pace. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're looking at 309 versus 257. So, for example, if you're able to do like 6 by 800 at that interval pace, 309, that's and be really consistent with that. That's a good thing. That means you might be ready to try something a little bit quicker, right? So mm-hmm. what you could do is try to run that last rep or whatever a, a little faster. And that's really how we, I think, as like high school and college athletes got um, got fit is because you first master the concept of running your paces um, consistently. So your interval paces, once you're able to hit those, 
Um, and again, as an adult runner, you want to be able to master the threshold work first, right? Because mm-hmm. that is going to be um, challenging for some people. And so, um, you know, threshold work, you can have some workouts maybe have like 75 second rest in between, and then it might get down to like 45 second rest. So if you're able to maintain the pace and execute, then hopefully that will give you that confidence and that control so that you can do the same thing with your mm-hmm. interval workouts. And so, uh, again, this takes, this takes time. And I know for some, some athletes, um, I start to get to know like, what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses as a runner? And I'll purposely prescribe them workouts that kind of balance the two, right? They, that not only challenge them, but that will help them give them that confidence that they need, um, to be able to go and, and reach their goal on race day. Definitely. And I think that gives some really good ideas. So if you guys wanted to get out your own little calendar and pin down when your goal race is, start counting backwards and creating your own training plan. I think that stuff is really exciting and fun. Like I could do that all day. Obviously that's what we do for a living. Um, but sometimes people, it's just like really overwhelming and like making sure, okay, all of the, the points are lining up all the totals make sense at the end of the week because you don't want to do more than 20% of workouts per week. You don't want to increase your weekly mileage by more than, you know, 10% per week. You have to have a cutback week every couple of weeks. And so sometimes people are like, can someone else just create this for me, right? Like it's it's kind of overwhelming at times and sometimes people just don't want to um, do that or they want to make sure that they're training at the right paces. They want to coach to maybe be able to prescribe the paces, give feedback along the way. And that's really what we specialize in here. So we can talk about the topics, you know, together on this podcast, but I think when it comes down to it, it's a lot more valuable to have something really specific to you and be able to narrow down and talk your specific situation, your specific paces, and give workouts that are custom to the individual rather than talk about like hypothetical situations and try to um, fit everyone within this this framework. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, you want to see what some workouts would look like based on your current fitness level, the events you're training for, all those good things, we actually offer a free seven-day trial working with a coach where we can give you all of those things and see if it's something that you enjoy doing, no strings attached. So if you're interested in that, it's www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day trial with free custom workouts. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.